Hosea chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. Now let me pause if you weren't here last week. Uh, like I said, I kicked off this, this new series with the scripture. Just to give you the context, the prophet Hosea was saying this because... Uh, Israel was under God's righteous judgment at the time because uh, they had been going off and going back to uh, worship idols, pagan idols, false gods. And that's why he was saying the Lord has torn us and wounded us because they were under God's judgment. But then look what he says. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may live in his presence. Oh, that we may know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. So today we are continuing in our series called Living in His Presence. Just as the prophet said that, that we may live in His presence. Remember I also said last week, Hosea stressed knowing God more than any other prophet that we read about in the Old Testament. He stressed that. We stress it often. It's part of our vision for you to know God, to live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. And, and that's how we come, when we know God and we're walking with Him, we living in his presence. So last week we looked at the manifest presence of God. I showed you that there's three parts of God's presence. There's his omnipresent, which is his omnipresence is God is everywhere all the time, right? God's everywhere. I showed you, David said, where can I run from your presence or hide from your presence? The truth is we can't. God is everywhere. Then there's the inner presence of God. And that's God living with inside of us by his Holy Spirit. That happens when we get born again and get saved. But then there's the manifest presence of God. The manifest presence of God is when God makes his presence fully known to us. The word manifest means to make known, seen, recognized, and understood. See, God wants to make his presence known to us every day. And listen, when I say that, as, as Brother James said it, and we often say, man, you can sense the presence of God, you can feel the presence of God. That's a great thing. I'm glad we can. But when we, we talk about it, while I'm talking about this month, living in his presence, I'm not just talking about a feeling. So I hope you all know that. I want to throw it out there. The manifest presence of God is more than just what some people call the Holy Ghost bumps instead of the goose bumps, right? Like you feel God's presence, and that's great. You feel peace and, and those things, but it's more than that. The manifest presence of God is, like I said, God making himself known, seen, and understood. God wants to make his presence known every day. He wants us to recognize he is with us. That's why I told that brother, man, pray and ask God to show you he's with you. And at first he, he went the other way, but then he showed him in a miraculous way. That he was with him, right? Saved his life multiple times, right? God wants us to, to, wants to walk with you, talk with you, bless you, empower you, right? I talked about last week, the empowering of the Holy Spirit. He wants to provide for you, heal you, and, and give you peace, right? So that's the manifest presence of God. By the way, if you weren't here last week, I encourage you, go back and listen to the message on our website, app, you know, YouTube, a podcast, any one of those, go check it out and catch up and you can, I explained, you know, obviously in more depth about the presence of God. Secondly, I showed you how you can leave God's presence. We saw some, some men in the Bible who left the presence of God. And basically, how do you leave God's presence even as a born-again believer? By not doing what God has told you to do. We saw that with Adam and Eve. They disobeyed by eating the fruit and they hid themselves. Sin will always call us, cause us to hide ourselves. But then they had to leave the very presence of God out of the garden. We see Jonah. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. He went to Tarshish instead. And it says he fleed from the presence of God, right? We see Cain when he killed Abel. It said the same thing, that he had to leave the presence of God because he disobeyed the Lord in dealing with his attitude and it turned in 
to murder. So that's how you leave God's presence. And then we talked about how you enter God's presence. And there are many ways, but we focused on worship, prayer, and fasting. And how many of y'all that are fasting, again, would say this week you, you begin to sense or see God's manifest presence. Maybe you're getting greater revelation from the word, or maybe as you're praying, or as you, God's speaking to you. Anybody can say, man, I sense God's presence more this, this week since I've been fasting. Okay, good, good. And that's part of it. We enter into his manifest presence in a greater way when we're fasting. And we see worship's the key, which I'm going to hit on it. You'll see in some of the scriptures today how uh, worship and, and his presence are, are tied in. Uh, one. That's probably the greatest way to enter into and really his, sense his presence. So today, I want to read a scripture that I read last week, but I want to continue to read it one verse further. Actually, I was I was going to go in a different direction. I was starting to prepare and go in a different direction. And I, when I was sitting in Melanie's dad's funeral on Friday, the Lord dropped this scripture back in my uh, in, in my mind, in my heart, and I felt like I needed to go in this direction. And so to set up the scripture in Exodus 33, this was uh, after the Israelites had just came out of Egypt and when they were in their 40-year detour in the wilderness. Remember, God said they were going to go to a promised land. And remember, that was, they, they wandered for 40 years because they didn't do what God told them to do. He said, go and take the land, go and fight. And they said, no, the giants, all that, we scared everything. And so it should have took them three days, took them 40 years. Come on. So when you get in the detour off of I-10, just thank God it didn't take you 40 years to get to your destination. Okay. Right. But look at this. So this is, this is the context of the scripture. Exodus 33, 12 and 3 says this. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably, favorably on me, let me know your way so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. How many of y'all know we can enjoy the favor of the Lord? And remember that this nation is your very own people. This is Moses talking to God. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses. I will give you rest. Everything will be fine with you. Remember last week we talked about when he said, I will personally go with you. He would say, my manifest presence will go with you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? This is the verse I want to hone in on for today. For your presence amongst us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. Amen. Today's message is called His Presence Sets Us Apart. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that you manifest yourself through your word, through your spirit, that today even, Lord, we sense your presence as we worship. Now, Lord, I pray you would speak to us all, Lord God, as we hear your word, as I preach your word. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me to, Lord God, preach clearly and accurately. Lord, I pray, open up our eyes to understand the scriptures, open up our minds, Lord God, to see the wonderful truths of your word. Open up our hearts and spirits to receive it and the grace to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See, Moses reminded the Lord in this passage of his promise to accompany the people on their journey. In fact, when the nation of Israel sang God's praises at the Red Sea, a chapter earlier in Exodus 15, they rejoiced in the promise of God's victorious presence. That victory song, if you read in the chapter before, it was about God being with them and his presence being with them. Now again, verse 16 says, your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. So let me say this. When I read this, I remember years ago when I saw this and it jumped out at me, I just want to remind you, it's not a Christian bumper sticker on your vehicle. 
It's not a Christian t-shirt. It's not a cross hanging around your neck. It's not the fact that we listen to Christian music or even come to church that sets us apart. It's the very manifest presence of God that sets us apart from people that don't know God. Amen? That's what Moses had the Bible said. Now let me make it clear. There's nothing wrong with Christian t-shirts, bumper stickers, wearing a cross, or Christian music. I encourage you to listen to Christian music. That's a great thing. So nothing wrong with those things. But we know people come to church week in and week out and do not know the Lord. It's been said many times, just standing in a garage doesn't make you a car, right? Just standing in a, a hole doesn't make you holy, right? Just coming to church or even doing some of these things doesn't mean that we are set apart. It's the very presence of God manifests in our lives that sets us apart from the rest of the people on the earth. Amen? People that don't know God. You remember Hosea said, let us press on to know Him. Those of us that know God are in a personal relationship with God. We have the manifest presence of God in our life, and that's what sets us apart. The manifest presence of God lets us know He's alive and real. That's why some people don't believe because they never experienced His manifest presence. They may even know like, yeah, God's out there and He's big and He's everywhere all the time. I could never hide from Him. But they've never experienced. Remember, what's His manifest presence? God speaking to them. They've never heard God speaking to them. They've never read the Bible and realized it was applied to their life that day. They've never maybe experienced a miracle, even heard about a miracle we talked about this morning. You know, that's why some people don't believe. See, living in God's presence should be the highest priority of our life. When we walk in the manifest presence of God, there's certain things that we can expect to experience. So again, last week I talked about what the manifest presence of God, how to enter, how to leave, how you, what happens how we leave the presence of God. Today, I want to show you some things we can expect to experience when we're living in His presence. Now, remember, these things, these four things I'm going to give you this morning are things that not only we can experience, but are things that set us apart from the rest of people, that other people that don't walk in His presence really, truly don't fully experience on a day-in or day-out basis. Number one, we receive joy at its fullest. Joy at its fullest. I'm glad my wife agrees with me on that one. Amen. Thank you, honey. Psalm 1611. Look what it says. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is a little bit of joy. In your presence, you get a couple drops of joy. What does it say? The fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Where is the fullness of joy found? In the presence of the Lord. In the pres- in God's manifest presence, when we're walking and living in His presence, we can expect joy at its fullest. Think about it this way. When you're in a relationship with someone who you love and truly loves you, if you're married in here or maybe you've been dating for a while, think about whenever you first met your, the love of your life, your spouse, some, you know, the worst you married. Did, you know, you would get excited and joyful, right, when you got around them, right? When you'd see, when they call your phone and you see the name, you get a little giddy, right? You get butterflies, right? Right? I mean, that's, that's, we get excited about that. Or maybe when you were trying to get, I mean, look, I, this is super cheesy. I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't want to turn Cassie off. I just got saved. When I asked Cassie for a phone number, true story, I, I didn't, I didn't plan on sharing this, but true story. When I asked for a phone number, I was like, hey, you think I could maybe have your number? Like, you know, if I ever need prayer or anything like that, you know? She was just like, yeah, you could just have my number if you want. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, like I was, I was trying to like Christianize it. You know, I was like, I don't know what this girl's going to think. I just got saved. You know, I was trying like, you know, you could add that to the Christian pickup lines, you know. So anyway, so, but I was just like, I was, I liked her. I was, I was, I was excited. I wanted to get to know her more. Right. But also the person 
Don't want, eventually, when I realized that my wife was interested in me, cause she started paying attention to me and she dropped me off a little, a little gift at my house one day at my apartment and all this kind of stuff. And I knew she started paying attention to me. But you see, that's the thing about it. You get joyful when you're around and you're in relationship with that person. And that's why when you break up, or even worse, when you get a divorce, a lot of people become depressed, hopeless, lonely, right? See, that's why so many people are walking around today depressed and lonely because they're not living in the presence of the one who truly loves them, right? They don't have fullness of joy because they don't realize the God who created them, who loves them, who died for them, is, has their full attention, right? He, we, 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 we captivate him by, with our attention, right? The Bible says that. And so you think about it that way. The, in his presence is fullness of joy. That's one of the ways that God's presence sets us apart for people that don't know him. See, we can have joy even in the most difficult times, even as April said, in the refining, right? Even though it hurts and it, it's, it's uncomfortable, you can still have joy. Look, and as I, as I, as I read over my notes again this morning, I thought, man, I've been talking about this a lot. It seems like the last couple of months I've been focused on, man, you know, having, you know, joy, but I feel like the church and people need to hear this more than ever before is you can have joy no matter what's going on in your life. See, because in his presence is the fullness of joy. So no matter what you hear on the news, another bad news report, no matter what the COVID numbers are doing, no matter even if you got something going on in your body, your struggles with your spouse, your finances, whatever's going on, that doesn't stop you from getting into the presence of God. Amen? It don't matter. No, no social media post can prevent me from getting in God's presence or living in God's presence. No matter if you got a physical ailment, like I said, or what's going on in your life. See, that's why it separates us from the rest of the people of the earth. Are y'all following me? Because people that, that don't know the Lord, that know him, right? As Hosea said, let's press on to know him. People that don't know him, when they hear a bad report, bad news, get a bad report about their spouse, about a family member, or have health issues. I mean, man, it's doom and gloom from there. But we can walk in the fullness of joy as we live in his presence. Here's a New Testament example. Think about it. That's why the disciples were so distraught and so, I mean, you could probably say depressed. The Bible doesn't say that, but they were distraught once Jesus told them. And when Jesus was, when he was um, crucified and buried, man, they went back to fishing. They were like, it's all over with. They were, they, they, they were so distraught. There was no joy in their life. Why? Because they had been living in the very presence of Jesus for over three years. And so once they got out of his presence, there was no joy. But what they didn't understand until Jesus came back and reminded them was that the Holy Spirit was coming and they were going to be able to live in his presence the rest of their lives. Amen. And it's the same with us today. Look at Psalm 1611 again, uh, but look in the New Living Translation. King David prayed, you will show me the way to life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you. Forever. See, we can have the joy that comes from living in God's presence in this life and the hope that we will live with him forever in the next life. Amen. So listen, if you're lacking joy this morning, in a few minutes, we're going to pray. But I just encourage you that, you know what, that, that's that's an indication. That's something we can experience. So if you don't have joy in your life, probably means you're not walking in the manifest presence of God. But you can begin today. Amen. Number two, we get refreshed in God's presence. I love this. Look at Acts 3, 19 and 20. Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from where? From the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you 
Jesus, your appointed Messiah. Now, let me tell you the context of this. This was Peter preaching to the nation of Israel and what he was saying, what would happen if the nation of Israel repented of their sin and turned to Jesus as their Messiah. There was a promise for the individual for sins to be forgiven, which is still true today, and a promise for the nation for times of spiritual refreshment to come on Israel because they were just living by the law, rules, regulations, religiosity. And he was saying, listen, if you turn to Jesus, times of refreshing will come. You know, let me just say this. This just hit me. See, a lot of you grew up and maybe still living in religiosity and you need to be refreshed by the presence of God. And I tell you that because when I first got saved, I was I was working at a church of a different denomination and the head guy had been in ministry 40 years. We started talking and uh, he, he asked me if I was a part of that denomination. I said, no, I'm not. I used to be this, that and the other. And I mentioned something about the presence of God. And this is what he told me. He'd been in ministry for 40 years, over 40 years. And he said, Brandon, you can't feel the presence of God. Now, I wasn't trying to be arrogant, disrespectful, but I was i was actually on a fast. At the time, we were on the youth leadership team. We were fasting for something. I was fasting with the youth pastor, and I had worship on while I'm like, I'm, I'm scraping some sand off the door, stripping some uh, stain off the door. I'm sorry. And uh, I told him, I said, well, maybe you can't feel the presence of God, but I've been sensing his presence here all day, you know, and, and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but but just to say, just like Israel, they needed to be refreshed because they were serving God or trying to serve God through religion. And legalism. And when you, if you've been trying to serve God, you could even be coming to this church and be in a non-denominational, spirit-filled, charismatic church and still have a religion mindset. And if that's you, you maybe be, you feel stale and stagnant in, in your walk with God. You need to be refreshed by the presence of God. Amen. Religion will never refresh you. The presence of God refreshes. Amen. So Peter was actually calling for national repentance for the nation of Israel through its leaders because they denied Jesus as their Messiah and condemned them to die. Now, again, look where it starts. Let's go back to our theme scripture, Hosea 6.1. Look what it says in the Amplified. And I, we prayed through this on Monday in the prayer meetings. Come and let us return in repentance to the Lord. So we see both Hosea and here in Acts. Even for us today, it all starts with repentance. If, if, if we know we have some sin in our life, again, if we're doing something the Lord told us that we shouldn't be doing, if we know according to the scriptures what is sin, we need to repent, ask the Lord to forgive us, turn away and turn to him. And then his manifest presence will refresh our spirit and our soul. Amen. I mean, I liken it to all of us that if you've been living in South Louisiana for any amount of time, if you're working outside on a hot August day, and you take a break and you either go inside or you grab your cold bottle of water or Gatorade or lemonade, whatever's your, isn't it nice and refreshing when you drink that after working outside, cutting the grass or even more so when you're done, go inside and you maybe take a cold shower, right? Just the flow of water washing over your, 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 you know, being so hot and just, you know, it's refreshing. It's the same thing spiritually speaking. See, sin, hurt, shame, tragedy, sickness, and life in general can bog us down and cause us to get stale spiritually. We need to be refreshed. And again, I didn't even share that with the first service. And it, I just felt like that was the Lord. And religion, as I just read that again, religion will cause you to be stale. So, you know, often people tell us, and we've heard it for years. I've been hearing, you know, Pastor Todd, people have been telling him, myself, a lot of the staff, people come to church. And you may have said this, man, every time I come to church, I feel better when I leave than when I came in. You ever sense that? Part of what that is, is you're being refreshed in the presence of the Lord. 
We're getting together and we know that the presence of God is even greater here because we're worshiping together. So sometimes people can't put it into words. What's happened is their soul is being refreshed. We need to be refreshed too. Amen? Number three, our hearts are softened in God's presence. Our hearts are softened in the presence of God. Look at Psalm 97.5. It says, the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. You know, just like I mentioned, life has a way of hardening our hearts, listen, towards God and towards people. See, that brother I talked to on Monday, his heart was hard towards God because, and I say understandably so, because he was beginning to tell me as a child, both his mom and his dad had, had at one point or another turned their back on him and walked away from him. And now, you know, uh, his wife, the same thing. And, you know, then there was a lady at a prayer meeting just this week that came up after prayer and asked me to pray with her. And I asked her if I could share this. And she came up to me and she said, I have a hard heart. She said, I don't, I feel like I don't sense anything anymore because she was holding an offense to somebody. And she said, you know, I just, you know, and, and, and I noticed probably somebody in here or maybe people in here that you're dealing with a hard heart. She knew it. She identified it. Maybe you're not sure. Maybe that's part of you being spiritually stale. It's because you have a hardened heart. If God's presence can melt mountains, I know he can melt our hard hearts, right? That's what I always get out of when I see that scripture, right? Let's look at what the Lord says in Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 36 and 26. I love this. And I will give you a new heart. This is the Lord speaking. And I will put a new spirit in you. Look at this. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. Your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. See, Ezekiel had already spoken about this inward change earlier in chapters 11 and 18 of Ezekiel. This was the kind of change that the Lord yearned for Israel to experience before they had entered into the promised land. And then we see the prophet Jeremiah proclaim the same promise that Ezekiel gave. Jeremiah 24, 7 says, then I will, then I will give them a heart to know me. There's that phrase again, to know me. The Lord's greatest desire for us to know him, that I am the Lord and they shall be my people and I will be their God. I love this because Jeremiah spoke about a new covenant, uh, uh, the new covenant God would make with the Jews. And it was a covenant not written on stones, but on their hearts and on their minds. So it's really a play on words, right? We see the Bible says that, that, that God wrote the Ten Commandments on stones, right? He wrote his commandments, but he was saying, listen, just as those stones I originally gave you, my laws and my commands, you have stony hearts. I don't want to write it on stone no more. I want to write my word, my will, and my love on your soft and responsive heart. Amen? And he's still doing the same thing today. He wants to do the same thing for us today. A stony heart is a hard heart that doesn't receive God's word, and it doesn't nurture spiritual growth. We need to allow the presence of the Lord to soften our hearts so we can receive his word and grow to be more like him. See, if you're having a hard time receiving, even with myself, another pastor's preaching, are you like, man, I read the Bible, Brandon, but I don't get nothing out of it? It may be because you have a hard heart. And listen, most of the time, a hard heart comes from holding an offense towards somebody. It's because you have unforgiveness towards someone that's hurt you, someone that's done you wrong. Not always. It could be just from, you know, uh, you know, multiple trauma in your life, things happening, but a lot of times it's because you refuse to forgive somebody. So in a minute, we're going to pray. You may be sitting in here, and as I'm talking to you, you know that you have a hard heart. You won't 
Go further with God in his presence, in his word. Learn to grow spiritually if you have a stony, stubborn heart. But the good news is, he says, in the presence of God, he'll change that old, hard, stubborn, stony heart and give us a soft and a responsive heart. Amen? A heart that responds to him. So you see, you may be responding to God and responding to people in the wrong way because your heart is hard. Or not responding at all. That's what that lady told me right there in the aisle. She said, you know, I I don't feel anything. So there's no response to the Lord or to others around you when we have a hard heart. Amen? Come on, if your heart's hard, your heart's hard, you need to allow the Lord to soften it. Amen? And the fourth and final thing is we get guidance in God's presence. Amen? Psalm 89, 15, Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk, look at this, in the light of your presence, Lord. They will walk in the light of your presence. Now we know we use lights to help us navigate through darkness, right? Even if you're in your house and the lights go out as the middle of the night and you don't want to wake nobody up, you get up and you get a light. Now we get usually get a light on our phone, right? It's funny, there were some other young couples, I'm looking at these two young couples with young kids. If you get up and you even know your house layout, you better have a light. If not, you're probably going to step, what, on a toy or hit like a, a playpen or a, a, something like, right? Come on, how many of y'all can relate to that too? If you got little kids or just, you know, like, why did somebody, you know, middle of the night, you find out what's left in the aisle, right? Left in the walkway. You need a light to help navigate. I look at, again, I'm looking at Blair and, and, uh, and Gabe, you know, we do some duck hunting together. And I remember we used to duck, we, a couple of times we duck hunted in Henderson, me, us three. And Blair was taking us to some spot in the middle of the Chafalaya Basin pitch black and he had to use a light to show us where to go me and Gabe were like praying and hoping for our lives that right Gabe that we were like I hope this brother knows where he's going because even with the light I'm like Blair there's no opening there that's trees that trees like no no just put your head down it's good it's gonna open up right here right but he knew he knew he had a light and he had scouted it out before and I'm thankful that he knew where he was going and he had a light hey listen God knows where we're going and even when we don't look like when I looked at those trees and didn't know there was an opening there, Blair knew there was an opening because he, he saw it ahead of time. God sees it ahead of time what's coming now, right? And he uses his presence to light our way. He uses his word. Remember, his manifest presence. I'm not talking about his, a, little, a feeling won't guide you. The manifest presence of God. He manifests himself through his word. He speaks to us to guide us every day, right? As I say, worship is one of the greatest ways to enter into his presence. That's why the scripture says, happy, really the word is blessed there. Blessed are those who hear the joyful call to worship. So there's a connection when we worship, and as we did this morning, when we surrender, and you say, Lord, I give you my life. When you see surrender is saying, you know what, Lord, I don't know where to go, but I'm asking you. Me and Gabe was surrendered to Blair. We had no idea where he was going, and he was driving the boat, right? And so we were totally, one time we hit a stump too, and I almost flew out of the boat. I remember that. I was totally surrendered and almost wet and uh, freezing if we, we, we got thrown out that boat. But it's true. We were surrendered to his, his guidance and to he was leading the way. But the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing for us. Like, man, I don't know where to go. I don't know what, what to do, man. It just seems like there's not a path. You remember, God always makes a way in the wilderness, right? I preached a whole series on that. A way in the wilderness. God always makes a way in the wilderness. And when we can't see, when it's dark, right? So you get guidance from his presence. Look at Galatians 5.16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. See, God manifests himself in his presence through his spirit, right? And through his word. Remember, God the Father is not on earth anymore. Neither is Jesus, right? We know God's sitting on his throne. And the Bible says Jesus is sitting at his right hand. So everything God does, we've been talking about his presence, is through his Holy Spirit. When you sense God's presence, that's the spirit. 
When God speaks to you, it's the, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. When you get revelation, when you get direction, when a miracle happens, it's God, the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's operating on the earth. Are y'all tracking with me there, right? It's, it's God, the Holy Spirit. Some people have minimized the Holy Spirit. How, it's like minimizing God. God manifests itself. God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, right? So the Bible says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. God manifests himself through his spirit. So let the Holy Spirit guide you to the exact place God wants you. I thought about this when April gave that word. I wrote in my notes, God has a perfect will for your life. So that was a timely word. That's confirmation of what I was saying today, right? The refining process. The refining process, it'll get you. It, it, it hurts. It's hard. But it, it helps to increase the manifest presence of God in your life. He'll guide you and lead you. You may have a major decision that you're, you're dealing with today. Or maybe just in life, you're like, man, I just don't know where I'm going in life, man. I want to know my purpose, plan. Again, part of our, our heart, God's heart and vision for you is for you to know God first, to live free, to find your purpose, and to make a difference. We want to help you. We want to pray for you. If you don't know your purpose, what you should be doing with your life, what God wants you to do for your life, jump into next steps right after this service. We'll try to help you to find it. You'll take a spiritual gifts test, personality test, and we'll try to help you navigate what God's speaking to you in your life. As I close, I'm just reminded of a story that I heard. And uh, some of you may remember this worship leader. If you're a little bit uh, wiser, a little further along in years, maybe. Uh, I know Pastor Todd said this. Uh, Kent Henry was a, he was a big worship leader back in the day, right? Pastor Todd and that time. So Kent Henry, I got a great man of God. I got to meet him at a conference in St. Louis one time when I was a youth pastor. He had put on, uh, he was uh, the worship leader for, I don't remember, if, I think it may have been like a youth uh, a, a youth uh, retreat or a big gathering or something. They were like at a retreat center. So after the worship service was all over, somebody went into the kitchen part of like this retreat center and it was dark. So they just went in there to get something and they turned on the light and Kent Henry was sitting there eating very, very slowly, like barely picking up his fart to eat. And the guy was like, oh man, he's like, hey, brother Kent, are you okay? Is everything all right? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, well, why are you eating so slowly? Like, what's going on? And this is what he said. He said, man, I just sense the presence of God so strong. I don't want to do anything that would make it go away. Now, I'm not saying eating fast is going to make the presence of God go away. If that's the case, I'd never have the presence of God in my life, okay? <laughs> but this is the truth of, this, of that story. He had such a reverence and a desire for God's presence in his life. And he felt God's presence so strong in his life that he didn't want to do anything to, to mess it up. Amen? Man, if we would have half of that kind of reverence about living in God's presence, right? So I just want to encourage you. That's our heart's desire. Look, if you hadn't, I'm telling you, worship, prayer, fasting. If you hadn't, maybe you, you weren't here last week, you hadn't even heard about the fast. What, I mean, there's all kind of materials in the lobby. If you never fasted before, restraining from foods and entertainment and certain things, pick up some, some resources there on our app, our website. Man, jump in the fast with us. Jump in, man. If you want God's increased manifest presence in your life, fasting will help. And this is what you can expect to experience. So what, do you need joy in your life today? Do you lack joy? You know, I forgot to say earlier, let me, let me share what happened to me just this morning when I was preparing. I, I call it my game day routine on Sunday mornings. I usually get up. I go let my dog out, grab some coffee, sit down and read my Bible, my own personal Bible reading time. Then I go over my notes. And as I was doing all those, those three or four things I just said, man, I, I, everything was fine. But then I started thinking about some people, people that used to come to church here and people that were in our lives. And I started getting heavy. I started getting burdened. 
And so when I transitioned into put my ear, my AirPods on and, and, and started transitioning, put some worship on, I just felt heavy. And I, I know I'm like about to preach in the joy of the Lord, but I'm not sensing the joy of the Lord. And I just begin to try to give it to the Lord, release it. And there's a song we sing here and it's called, uh, Yes, I Will. Yes, I will sing for joy even when my heart is heavy. When I'm in the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. And I begin to sing that, and it was just like a perfect song, perfect timing for me. I didn't even go look for it. It was coming up on my shuffle as I was had a, making me a little worship set for my own personal time. And I'm just telling you, as I begin to sing that and proclaim that, that, Lord, you know what? Even if I'm feeling heavy, I'll sing your praise. I'll bless your name, even in the lowest valley. And as I begin to do that, I sense the joy of the Lord in my life. I begin to praise and worship and pray in the spirit and get ready and pray for you. Amen? So just this morning, literally hours ago, I had an experience where I know I, I walk in the joy of the Lord, but there's things in life try to suck that joy out of us. Can, can you relate, right? But if we live in his, the fullness of joy is in his presence. So I want to pray for you in a minute. Maybe you feel stale, stagnant, spiritually speaking. You need to be refreshed. Maybe it's because you're trying to serve God more through religion and rules and that relationship. Do you have a hard heart? Do you have unforgiveness or offense towards somebody? And do you need guidance in a certain situation or just life in general? You can expect all these things by living in his presence. I love how God manifests his presence three major ways. We first see it in Exodus. God manifests his presence in fire and smoke on Mount Sinai to Moses. Then he came as a human and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's with us now. He manifests his presence through his Holy Spirit. Maybe you've never even experienced God's presence because you're not in a relationship with him. Look what Ephesians 3.12 says. I'm going to read this and then we're going to pray. Because of Christ, and look at this, our faith in him, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. See, living in God's presence starts with putting your faith in Christ. Have you put your faith in Christ and started a relationship with him? Are you prepared for eternity? I think about Melanie's dad. Even though he was an older gentleman, overall, he, they, they said he was in good health. They just did blood work. They just did, you know, a checkup on him. He went into his study to read, I think, to read the paper or something. And his wife was coming to get him for their, their noonday nap. He was on the floor. He was gone. Just like that. Had a heart attack and slipped into eternity. He's like, yeah, but he was older. Yeah, well, one of my best friends from high school, 43 years old, last year, had a heart attack and died. I did his funeral. It doesn't matter how old you are, ladies and gentlemen. We're not promised tomorrow. Just like that. We can slip off into eternity. Are you prepared for eternity? The way you get prepared is, again, through repenting and turning to Christ and putting your faith in him, and you'll start a relationship with God. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? You say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm prepared, man. I don't know if I'm in that kind of relationship with God. If that was me that slipped off into eternity earlier this week, where would you be spending eternity? The Bible makes it clear. We're either going to spend eternity in heaven or, or in hell. Some people say, man, why would God send people to hell? God doesn't send no one to hell. Matter of fact, I just read this week where Jesus said, narrow, I mean, broad is the way into eternal destruction. He's talking about hell. And many are on the path that choose that way. Jesus makes it clear in the Gospels, God doesn't send nobody to hell. People choose to go to hell. They make that decision. I heard a great illustration too. I think last week somebody said, man, whatever head bowed, every eye closed, you can still listen to me. Just be thinking about this. Somebody said, why would God send people to hell? Well, we know he chooses like Jesus said, but also he doesn't. Matter of fact, we're all headed that way from birth. 
We talked about Adam and Eve last week. Because of Adam and Eve and sin in this world, we are born, we're born into sin and we're all headed to hell. We're like on a big ship that's sinking. And what God does is he sends lifeboats and says, hey, get on the lifeboat. And that lifeboat's name is Jesus. He's made a way that nobody would have to go there. Matter of fact, if you end up in hell, you have to step over Jesus to get there. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, say, Brandon, I need to start a relationship with God. Man, I don't know if I'm right with God. I've never experienced his presence, but I want to start today. If that's you, just slip your hand up. And I want to pray for you if that's you. Sir, I see your hand. Thank you. Ma'am, in the back. Hands going up to my right, in the back right here. Thank you. Thank you. Young people raising their hands. In the middle. Anybody else? Right here to my left. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Sir, young man, I see your hand. Children raising their hand. I love that. I love that. Children turning their hearts to the Lord. You say, Brandon, I was once in a relationship with God, but I've turned away from him. And you know what? I need to renew my relationship with God. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up to say, man, I need a renewing of my relationship with the Lord. I need to resurrender my life to God. More hands going up. More hands going up. Amen. Ma'am, over here to my left, I see your hand. Thank you. Bible makes it plain. If we believe in our hearts, that word believe means to trust and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Come on. Can we all pray it together? Even those of us that are already saved and those of you that raised your hand, let's pray something like this. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin. I ask that you forgive me. I turn to you today and I surrender my life over to you. Lord, give me the grace and the strength to live in your presence all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these this morning. Yes, amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or first time in a long time, there's a card in the pew. It's called a connection card. Fill it out. Bring it to the lobby. We want to give you a Bible. We want to pray for you. Hey, why don't we all stand up? Before you slip out, yeah, don't, don't slip out. Yeah, stand up with me. I want to pray through these four things. And look, we're just going to go through all of them. But if you have one, would, would you bow your head with me one more time before we leave? And then I'll open up the altar. If you need specific prayer, we, we love to lay hands on you and pray for you. Would every head bow, every eye close. Any one of these four, do you need joy in your life? Do you feel maybe stale, stagnant, and need to be refreshed? Do you feel like you have a hard heart? Or do you need guidance or direction for your life? Any one of these four, why don't you lift your hands? I don't want to pray for you. Any one of these four areas, you say, Brandon, yeah, I need joy. I need refreshing. Man, I need guidance. I got a hard heart. I got unforgiveness. Come on, lift your hands. I want to pray for you today. Father, you see all the hands. Lord, I don't know what, what, what category these people with their hands raised fall in, but Father, you do. And I just ask for those that need joy, that I pray, Father, they would enter into your presence and have the fullness of joy. Not just a little bit of joy. The Bible says we can have the fullness of joy in your presence, Lord. I pray just as I did this morning, as Lord, we praise, we worship. Lord, God, we enter your presence. There's the fullness of joy. Lord, those that feel stale and stagnant spiritually, that need to be refreshed, whether it's from religion and rules and legalism, I pray, Lord God, that you would break those things off of them and bring a refreshing. Whatever has caused them to be stale or stagnant, Lord, I just pray for a fresh infilling, a fresh outpouring, that they would walk in the freshness and the refreshing of the Holy Ghost. If it's repentant, if you need to repent for something, that's where refreshing starts. Remember, repent of that sin and ask the Lord to forgive you. Maybe you got a hard heart. Maybe as I was talking about that, somebody came to your mind that you need to forgive. You've been holding unforgiveness towards someone and you need to release them. You need to forgive them and let God soften your heart. Remember, in his presence, the mountains melt like wax, right? He will give you a soft response of heart. Father, I pray that over my brothers and sisters. 
with hard hearts. I pray break that stony, stubborn heart and give them a soft and responsive heart to hear your word, receive it, Lord God, and to, to grow spiritually. And for those that need guidance, come on, if you need guidance, lift your hands and say, Lord, I need you to speak to me. I need you to shine that light down my path. Lord, I pray, Lord, we know that in your presence as we worship, we can walk in the light of your presence, Lord God. I pray you would direct us. You said, hold, let the Holy Spirit direct our lives. Holy Spirit, I pray your guidance and your direction upon my brothers and sisters, whether they have some specific they need or they want to know their purpose in life. Lord, help them. Lord God, show them what it is. Guide them down your path as they live in your presence. We love you and thank you for what you've done in here today and what you're doing and what you're going to do. In the mighty, wonderful, and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said amen and amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. If you need prayer specifically, you can come down to the altar. Arthur. If not, hey, join us tomorrow noon at 630 for prayer. We'd love to have you. God bless.